listeners and welcome to yet another one of our financial well-being podcast. This is number 89. Gosh, we've done a lot of these over the years and I have to say I've thoroughly enjoyed doing them um, and I hope you've enjoyed listening to them as much as uh, we've enjoyed doing them. Of course, I say I, it's not me on my own. In fact, I'm a, an insignificant part of the team that puts this together um, and I'd like now to introduce you to the other two. And I'm just going to kind of reverse what is the traditional order of introducing them because otherwise, A, Chris gets a little bit big-headed, quite frankly, but more to the point, Tom, who's only a young lad and is quite sensitive, gets a little bit hurt and a little bit tearful. So... Uh, Tom Morris, tell us all about yourself. It's all true, actually. It's all true. I'm a sensitive soul. Yeah, uh, Tom Morris, a director in charge of financial planner over at Ovation Finance, who kindly support this podcast. Um, and somebody, as listeners will know, that um, I think the last podcast recording talked about how I had broken 80 playing golf. That's still a thing. That's That's what I have for life. And it will go my tombstone. But it's fair to say that I have got nowhere near it since. So you'll be happy to know normal service has resumed. Excellent. Well done. Just uh, just another bit of sporting news from me, actually. So I've uh, um, always been a cricketer. Uh, you know, I have average ability. I ended up playing for Somerset as a senior, uh, only by virtue of the fact that I was still alive and still playing. Uh, but, but, but this year... I finally, I played a game for our third team about a month ago uh, at the age of 67. That's how old I am now. And it was tough. I, I, I bowled, got whacked around by some kid who I would have got out a few years ago. But he'd scored a few runs, uh, dropped just the simplest catch in the world. It went <laughs> up in the air. It came down. I called for it uh, and it went straight through my hands and landed on the floor. And therefore, after that, I thought, Do you know what? Uh, it's a young man's game or certainly a game for younger men than me. So... It's exactly 50 years this year since I played my first game of league cricket and I decided on that basis I would have loved to have gone out with a century or 10 wickets, but I thought, no, enough is enough. So I am now retired from playing cricket and that for me is quite a significant thing. So I just thought I'd like to share that with you. Well, um, uh, talking of cricket, here's somebody that um, I've uh, played a lot of cricket with myself over the years and run kids cricket with and, and been involved in cricket with our local club, Backwell Flax Borton, those that are interested or indeed those that aren't interested they're gonna to have to hear it anyway <laughs> chris bud hello um so i've got a little bit of interesting news well i think it's fun anyway for the financial advisors because we get reasonable about the financial advisors listening to this podcast and i'm hoping that lots of them will be going to the personal finance society's festival of financial planning in november um and uh you will know and listeners will know that um i'm a founder, as is Tomo, of the Initiative for Financial Wellbeing, soon to be called the Institute of Financial Wellbeing. And so I've been asked to talk about financial wellbeing at that conference. So that's going to be great. I hope lots of people will come and come and see that talk. Um, but uh, there's also a bit of fun because it's a two day conference and the night between the two, there's a dinner and they're going to have a band playing at the dinner. And I'm playing guitar in the band. Um, we're putting together an industry band and uh, a guy called Ian Beeston and called me up and said, how do you fancy being the guitarist or one of two guitarists? So, yeah, what fun is that? Fantastic. I was only saying the other day, Chris, to a mutual friend that, that you used to be, a, you know, big on the music scene around Backwell, but we don't see much of you or your band these days. <laughs> so I'm glad that you're playing your guitar out again. That's a great sentence. You're big on the music scene in Backwell. <laughs> <laughs> It's exciting, but it's taking all of my might not to make some 
David Brent-esque jokes, but I've seen you play the guitar, Chris. You're very good, so good luck to you. He is, he is good indeed. Right, OK, enough about our own personal brilliance at, uh, at sport and music. Uh, let's move on to today's podcast. But before we do, let's also just remind ourselves that these podcasts are based on and around the Financial Wellbeing book written by Chris, which explores the whole notion of financial well-being. It is, yes, I would say this, it's actually a brilliant book. It's really well written. It's really well laid out. And if you've got any questions about money and how you look after money and make yourself feel good in the process, it's a book that is definitely worth reading. You can buy it from all the usual sources. And it's also worth pointing out that all the proceeds from that book, the sales of the proceeds of that book, go to the Penny Braun Cancer Research Unit here in Bristol. So having got the plug out of the way, what's on today's podcast, Chris? Thank you for that, David. That's, that's very nice of you. Um, so today we've got an interview with someone who is frankly long overdue for appearing on this podcast, the absolutely brilliant Liz Zeidler of the Centre for Thriving Places. Excellent. Looking forward to this. I know a little bit about her, actually, so I'm really looking forward to your interview and seeing what you can tease out of her. But before we do that, let's go to the first of our regular features, uh, No Shizzle Sherlock, in which we listen to the words of wisdom from a financial or investment guru and wonder whether this indeed insightful and meaningful advice or whether it is as predictable as an England cricket team's top order collapse. So, Chris, what's today's ambiguous asset advice? Today, David, we're going to look at a quote from a man who has pledged to use his incredible wealth to one of the world's richest people, and he has pledged to use his money to rid the entire planet of disease. Wow. So never mind whether that's possible. Is it even a good idea? You can't, I mean, you can't get rid of death, for example. Who is this person? <laughs> Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg. He gave some advice about investing and indeed about business. And so the quote we're going to ask Tomo to comment on is as follows. The biggest risk is not taking any risk. In a world that is changing really quickly, the only strategy that is guaranteed to fail is not taking risks. Now, on a personal level, I, I agree with that. And I can certainly see the investment aspect of this. But I, I could also see how it might apply to every aspect of life. In fact, thinking about it, walking out the front door carries a bit of a risk. So it does rather seem like stating the bleeding obvious. However, talking about stating the obvious, let's turn to the expert for an investment take on this comment. So the all important question, what does Tomo think? Dun, dun, dun. If you decide to take your advice for a man like Mark Zuckerberg, who let Facebook completely take over our political system, then you're a fool. <laughs> Thank you very much, Tomo. Trenchant words from you. Absolutely spot on there. Right. Thank you. I don't think we can add to that. I think those wise, concise words need to be considered and reflected on. Right. I will so say this. I will say this. If he wants to go and eradicate a lot of diseases, best of luck with him. All power to your elbow. Yeah. Well, the, the thing that annoys me is that these people like Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk, uh, Jeff Bezos, these people with astonishing amounts of money actually could, if they used all of their money, they could eliminate world poverty. They could make sure that every child in the world is well fed and healthy. So my question is, and it's a rhetorical question that probably doesn't need an answer now, is why don't they? On that, let's move on. Uh, to the other one of our regular features, Tight Ass Tomo. 
Now, this is where Tom Morris not only gives us his uh, trenchant political views on uh, well-known <laughs> figures in the world, he also tells us how we can save money by being really, really mean. But before we come to his, I'd like to pick up on uh, uh, a tight-ass Tomo tip and give you an update on it. Now, this was one. I had to look this up, find out when it was, or in fact, I had to ask Tomo when it was. Uh, back in October 2018, so that's about four years ago, Tomo mentioned in his tight-ass Tomo tip um, an app called Moneybox. Now, there are other similar um, products, I believe, but this is one that he specifically mentioned at the time. And it's a basically... Not advice, just a, a, an example. I have to state that for my compliance uh, officer. <laughs> but carry Thank on, you. David. So he gave an example of something that you could use. And the best analogy I could use, it's a bit like when you're a bit skinned, you go, oh, you have a little look down the back of your sofa. Or you have a look if you're a sporty, you have a look in your golf bag or your cricket bag, and you find some loose change. And you go, oh, I didn't know I had that money. Oh, that's good. That's, that's helped me out. And what Moneybox does, it helps you save money in a way that, you don't particularly notice. So you link it to your current account, your bank card, and every time you buy something, it rounds it up. So if you buy something for £9.65, that will round it up to £10. But it will save the other 35 pence in a general investment account that Moneybox look after for you and invest on your behalf. So I was so taken with this idea that I thought, right, I'm going to open an account with Moneybox. And I did it there and then in October 2018. Now, it ran for three months, and then the system means that actually you have to uh, reconnect every three months to your bank. I hadn't quite realised that at the time. And so the connection went. And so for it, and then I had all sorts of problems trying to get it reconnected again. There was some blip on the app, and my bank wasn't talking to Moneybox, and Moneybox wasn't talking to my bank. So actually, for a year, it wasn't running at all. So effectively, I've had an account with them for about three years. Every month, I stick in a tenner. So that's a regular standing order. And then the rest of it is money that is rounded up and then it's invested by Moneybox. And as of right now, I'm going to tell you, I've got the app open can I have a guess, on my David? phone. David, can I have a guess? Go on, then. If you're a tenner a month, three yeah. years is 360. And rounding up the two yeah. and five Ps, I'm going to reckon that's you've got 500 quid in there. Okay. Tomo, do you want an advance on that one? No, 800 quid. Okay. Well, actually, the amount that I now have in my general investment account on Moneybox is £1,292.56. Wow. So for, so for me, that's great because I've not noticed that money going out at all. I've not made a conscious effort to go, oh, I better put some money in this week. £10 a month goes out as a general thing, and I don't really notice that at all. Everything else is just rounded up. I never noticed that. So now I've got sitting now, how much of that is money that I've put in myself and how much of that is interest? Uh, I, I don't know. I could probably tell you if I went into my bank statements and worked out how much I put in over the years, or indeed there may well be a way uh, within the app that I can find that out. But for me, that has been an absolutely brilliant way of just saving some money, which means at some point in the indeterminate future, it'll keep on going up and up and up. And at some point I'll go, oh, I'm a bit skint now, I could do with some money. And I'll go, oh, look, there it is, money from down the back of a sofa. So and, there's a classic and David, example. you've now got your cricket subs you're no longer paying, so you can direct that into there as well. Exactly. Yeah, good thinking. So um, I would just – so we often have a good laugh about tight-ass Tomo tips, and some of them are indeed very funny. But some of them actually work. And this one, for me, I have to say, 
has worked very well indeed. Brilliant. Brilliant. I love that. And, and I would say that I've noticed um, over the last year or so, most uh, banks and, and money boxes, an example, certainly from the investment side, but most banks now are actually providing this feature that you can turn on on your current account. So so take a look. I think it's a great way. It's like the old way of having, because none of us use cash anymore, do we? It's the old way of having change in your pocket and sticking it in a change jar that is maybe the holiday fund or nice trip out fund. So I think it's a trick. Yeah, well, that's exactly what I used to do. I used to have a big Tupperware box by my bed and all my two peas, one peas, and then 20 peas, and then it was 50 peas would go into that pot and then it would fill up. And then about six or nine months later, I'd take it down the coin star at Tesco, get it all sorted out. And there would be £120 in there. Coin so um, it's exactly the same as that. It's exactly the same as that. It's exactly that way of just saving up little bits yeah. of money without noticing Fabulous. it. So well done, Tomo. No, no, Have well, you got a tip today it. that's as good as that one? Well, I don't know. Chris, have you got anything? Not today. No. With, 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 with straight, the length of David, I, I would leave it to you guys. <laughs> All right. Well, well, this one is going to be very time-specific. It is recording this. We are in the middle of August and we are just about to hit. And this was a tip from a from a good friend of mine who who has young children, as do I. And this definitely applies to 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 my to my son, Toby. It's Blackberry season. And it runs from around August through to October. And where I'm going with this is. Go on those nice walks and spot the amount of blackberries that are starting to pop up. Bring a little Tupperware with you. It's great fun to take the children along, snaffle a few blackberries on the way, fill up your Tupperware box, come home. So you've got you spent a few hours with your, with your children out and about. Come home, perhaps freeze it, ready for the winter. Um, it could be used as a crumble. You can use it in smoothies. But ultimately, it's it's free foraging food. Um, for those US listeners out there or, or non-UK listeners, I don't know if you have blackberry bushes growing randomly on the side of walkways, <laughs> but we do here in the UK. And um, it's great fun. So, yeah, thank you, Rohan, for reminding me of that. And, and get out there. Get out there and get some fresh air before it turns cold. Now, this is bizarre because the blackberry season has come a little bit earlier this year because it has been so hot. And I was out yesterday walking in the field behind my house picking blackberries. And this very morning... On my porridge, I had some blackberries, chopped banana. Absolutely wonderful. Wow. Great advice there, Tom. You found... You Not found... only financially wise, but healthy as well. Healthy you managed to forage right. a banana on your walk as well this morning, did you? Wow. <laughs> That's right. We've got a banana plantation. We've got everything in back, well, Chris. It's been that warm this year. <laughs> now, that came from... Uh, that came from Tesco's. What, what's the what's the, um, what's the berry that goes in slow gin? It slows, isn't it? Am I being... Slows, yeah. Slows. yeah. Yeah, Strangely yeah. enough. Yeah, frankly <laughs> enough. There you go. We're obviously confronted with a cost of living crisis and a really dark winter coming. So what you really need to do is brew your own gin because you're going to need it. So get out there <laughs> and find some slow gin and slows as well to make your slow gin. Absolutely. I, sus I suspect that as this winter unfolds, we're recording this the middle of August in 2022, uh, as this winter unfolds, I suspect that your tight-ass Tomo tips are going to become more and more relevant, Tomo, and I'm sure that we'll be discussing more of that over the winter. So uh, keep tuned, listeners, for more ways in which you can save those hard-earned pennies. Right, let's move on then to our interview. Tell us a bit more about this, Chris, if you would. So Liz Zeidler is the founder of a not-for-profit organisation called the Centre for Thriving Places. Um, and I won't say too much. You, you said... 
what I managed to tease out of her. You don't need to tease out a great deal from Liz Seidler. <laughs> she's absolutely, you, you just ask a question, and then she's just brilliant. You let her go. She's fantastic. Um, I've worked with Liz a bit over the years. Uh, I have so much respect and admiration for what they do all about measuring happiness. And we do mention this in the interview, but the happiness pulse, if you wanted to Google that and have a little go, you can measure how happy you are. I think they do amazing work. So anyway, enough of me. Let's have a listen to my chat with Liz Zeidler. Morning, Liz. How are you? I'm really well, thank you very much. Marvellous. Let's start off, Liz. If you could just explain to us, I mean, I've already told our listeners all about the idea that, that you are what you measure etc so why don't you explain um what the happiness pulse is all about and how you came about to to be helping people measure their happiness well sense for thriving places aim has always been to try and help push decision making at all sorts of levels of society towards delivering well-being outcomes so whether that's the well-being of the whole planet or places or cities or individual well-being how do we make better choices in our lives that give us more bang for our buck both financially and emotionally in terms of well-being and so we we've developed a whole range of different things that help us to better measure and therefore really focus on as a goal well-being and some of those as you know are at that kind of societal level what are the conditions that are around us that best support us to thrive is an incredibly important question that all of our leaders should be asking them themselves every time they make a decision. Sadly, they're not, but they should be. And as employers, et cetera, et cetera, we should be thinking about what are the well-being outcomes of this decision, this investment, this policy, et cetera, et cetera, at all times. But when it comes to the individual level, there's a whole web of things. And some of those are contextual. You know, have you got a job? Do you have somewhere safe to live? Do you live in a neighborhood that you can trust and things? And those are external to us. But quite a lot of them are actually in our control so people often think they've got a kind of you know it's slightly luck of the draw what your life's like in terms of well-being but that's absolutely not not the case and there's quite a lot that we can do to support our well-being so we developed this pulse quite a few years ago now where we try to get that balance right between really using like the most rigorous you know the best research out there what what does all of the evidence genuinely say really really helps to promote well-being and then, what do normal people say? It's all fine and well that the academics might have got something right in their ivory tower, but actually, what do normal people say? So we spent months and months, if not years, talking to people in communities and businesses and prisons and schools. And we were out there talking to people saying, what, what do you want for your kids? What really matters to you? What most influences your capacity to really, you know, have a thriving life and, and, and be happy? And we've tried to bring all that together, which is quite hard because if you're not quite careful, then you've got a thousand things to measure, which is obviously not practical. We've tried to bring that together into something that gets that balance right between not covering everything. So you don't have to spend two years measuring your own well-being. It only takes about five minutes. But, you know, into the sort of absolute key areas of um, our own personal well-being our capacity to feel good and function well which is the kind of simplest if slightly more boring definition of well-being <laughs> i remember uh, being in a pet shop buying some some fish for my fish tank my aquarium and um, there's an old lady there looking to buy some fish and her daughter was with her who was my age and I overheard um, the lady say to her, her elderly mum, now remember what they say about looking after fish, mum. You don't look after the fish, you look after the water. And I've always thought, what a fabulous metaphor that is. If we want to be happy, you don't walk around and go, I'm going to be happy now. You create the conditions in which you can be happy. 
so tell us about the the areas that you you decided were the three main areas of your of your of your work yeah, so you're right. We've got these three kind of surveyors we call domains um, of well-being in it. And the language we use came very much from all of that kind of, you know, consultation with normal people like you and I um, and lots of other people who are probably even more normal than you and I, really. <laughs> I was going to say, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me, that is. I really <laughs> <laughs> questioned my own logic. But anyway, um, and, and the, so the language we use in these three domains is be, do and connect. And more or less, SB equates to our sort of mental and emotional well-being. How are we doing? How are we feeling? How are we responding to things? Have we got that kind of mental and emotional resilience that we need to kind of keep going and to, and to be happy? The do domain, slightly what it says on the tin, are we are we doing the sorts of things that are good for us? You know, there are lots, lots of research around things like the five ways to well-being and the sort of activities and types of actions that really help us to thrive. And then again, the connect one's pretty obvious, but it's that kind of social and relational. We don't have well-being on our own. We're not in a bubble. So those connections to other people, both the really close ties are really important. Do you have someone you can rely on? Do you have friends and family, et cetera? But also those, those what we might think of as weaker ties. How, are you in a space where you feel like you belong? Do you have um, a sense of community and those sorts of things that are also incredibly important for our well-being? And you put those three areas together and you've got a pretty good snapshot of our kind of mental and emotional behavioral and relational well-being which are all key parts and also things that we can influence to a degree so there are some aspects of our lives that are a little bit more we are sort of sitting in a in a in a sea and and they can go up and down we all know that you know big things can happen either big great things or terrible things but we need to be thinking about how do we keep that kind of you know drip feed of well-being to keep our kind of levels up if you like yeah so, so this is a, a financial well-being podcast. So I wonder if we could perhaps look at those three and just see how money interacts as far as you're concerned, if that's all right. It's like putting on yeah. but, so emotional well-being, that might sound or the B, that might sound like something that money has no influence over. I'm not sure I necessarily agree. What do you think? I mean, I think money, we all know, money, uh, money has influence on lots of things. It has influence on our on our practical lives do we have that you know those basics to live on are we worried about money all the time worry is not good for our well-being but also our kind of relation to money our relationship with money is deeply important to our well-being i think because it really influences those decisions that i touched on earlier those decisions that we make day to day what are our priorities where are we putting our attention our mental and emotional attention as well as our our practical attention to the things that we choose to do in our day-to-day lives so i think money has a huge influence on them um if we look at them individually i think I just touched on the kind of are we in a boat of life i'm going to i'm going to use that um, metaphor if i may people often think of um, our happiness and our well-being as slightly at the whim of externality so part of that is that am i comfortable you know but people often think i'll be happy when i've won the lottery i'll be happy when i meet the man of my dreams i'll be happy when etc etc so there's that sense that we're slightly dependent on big things happening to us um, or we're slightly at the whim or fate of terrible things happening to us. You know, oh, these awful things happen to me and therefore I can't be happy. And actually, of course, those things are really, really relevant. But the, but what I always talk about is this kind of reservoir that we have. You all know how reservoirs work. You know, they don't work for a huge, big waterfall coming into them all day long. What they work with is those drip, drip, drips of, of rain dropping into them all year round and they stay topped up. I know that's ironic at the moment because we're going back to hit a bit of a drought. But by and large, if they get <laughs> a rain, um, they stay topped up. So again, when there is a bit of a drought, they might go down, 
but they don't run out. And when there's a huge amount of good stuff going on in their lives, you don't know, you know, so it keeps you, it's, it's, what, it's what I think of as our resilience, if you like, in terms of well-being. And I think if you think of that drip, 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 and you think of those different elements, the be, the do, and the connect, what money helps us to do if we have our relationship right with money is it enables us to make choices in life that help us to drip, drip, drip. So it's not necessarily about suddenly buying a Ferrari. It's about, am I making choices in my day-to-day life that are, are towards my supporting my relational well-being? Am I making, am I investing, if you like, on a day-to-day basis in my relationship with my friends or in seeing my kids or being a part of my community? Am I using a bit of my time, for instance, instead of making loads more money, perhaps volunteering in my community? Giving is incredibly good for your well-being, like ridiculously so. So am I am I doing those things? Am I investing my time, my passions, my skills, my love, my money, my everything else into the things? that give me those moments of joy, which is important in life, but also that longer term drip, drip, drip of building up those reservoirs of well-being so that actually when bad things do happen to us, we can cope, we can bounce back, we can refill that reservoir when it gets a bit low. So just to recap, we've got a boat, it's on a reservoir <laughs> and the, <laughs> the reservoir's leaking, but it's being filled up, we've got it, yeah. I love a metaphor. There's you oh, and I yeah. completely, completely on the same wavelength. We love metaphors. I've also got reservoir of well-being, which is a fabulous expression. I might, I might even be using that somewhere. And drips of joy, which I'm not sure I will be using somewhere actually. <laughs> but it is quite an interesting one. That kind of drip, 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 because it makes well-being and happiness feel less. Um, distant like we all can think of little tiny things we can be doing on a day-to-day basis whether they're thinking doing being acting etc that can just drip a little bit more into that reservoir to keep it topped up and i think that feels much less intimidating than I've, oh my gosh i've got to change my job i've got to yeah. buy a new house i've got you know those are huge life goals which may or may not give you a huge rush of of, of happiness temporarily but actually that drip 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 is much more um pertinent i think for our long-term happiness yeah, I think that's a fantastic bit of advice, actually. I always remember the um, English British cycling team when we won all those, those, I don't know which Olympic Games it was, but won all those medals and they talked about the 1% and they did the little bit here and there, yeah. a tiny little thing that when they added up actually meant that they won all the gold medals. So it's a similar yeah. sort of principle, isn't it? It really um, is. Little decisions that we're making all the time. So so what about the do then? Um, how does money interact with the do uh, I, yeah, I, 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 I've got some thoughts about around people doing jobs that they don't enjoy, but they need to because they need they feel they want to get highly paid in that kind of area. Is that what we're talking about here? Yeah, it definitely can be. I think the doing is is partly about the big doing things we do in terms of our jobs, but it's also partly about how we choose to spend our time across, you know, all seven days of the week and 365 days of the year. How do we manage, again, sort of dripping, dripping in those kind of beneficial actions? So a lot of the do domain in our in our pulse is based on some very long-standing research called the five ways to well-being which are connect, obviously that's in the connect domain, learning, people often think of learning as something you do as a kid, you go to school and you learn a bunch of stuff, but actually learning doesn't have to be a flipping PhD, you know, every day we can be learning, we can be asking our friends about some interesting thing that they're into that we perhaps aren't into, but we'll learn something about it from that, we can try and seek out people who are a bit different from us, the only way we can learn is from that diversity, how do we, how do we get a bit more curious about the world, how do we see a plant or a bird out of your window and look up? 
up? What is that? Let's see. Any kind of learning, little tiny things. Or sometimes I try and, you know, pick up a different magazine or a different newspaper or whatever, because it's just, they're looking at the world a different way, you know. So any opportunities at all we have for learning is really good for us. Now, of course, you can spend your money on learning or you can spend your time. So that might have an economic uh, cost to you, but you can spend your time learning, etc. So learning is just really, really good for us. Any kinds of learning at all. I love, um, that, I love that. I just just, just shared with you um, a friend of mine whose father, who is I think ninety years old, has started learning to play the piano. And, and I, I, what's really interesting is that everyone said, "Wow, that's amazing!" You know, kind of. Well, why is that amazing? Why should the, the reason they think it's amazing? I think is because well, he's got. A limited future let's be honest at night yeah. so what's the point it's a kind of undercurrent of it and the point is just the really? learning 100 yeah. i've heard quite a lot of people recently being really critical of how how good or not good the duolingo language app thing is that everyone seems to be doing now it's like it doesn't really matter the point is people are really loving learning a new language and that's fantastic you know especially in this country i'm so used to that anyway so connect learn then is be active so another one where you don't need to be intimidated by it. Being active doesn't necessarily mean running the London Marathon or going to the gym every day. Being active is physically using your body is incredibly good for well-being, whether it's going for whatever your abilities are, going for a walk. If you're deeply elderly, then, you know, stretching and moving or putting a radio on and having a bit of a chair boogie, you know. Being physically active is really good for your mental health, like really good for your mental health. And the opposite of it is really bad for your mental health. Total inactivity is really bad for your mental health. So again, that can involve money. It can involve time. It can involve all sorts of things. It's a choice, isn't it? It's a behavioral choice. Um, the next one is notice, which lots of people kind of go, oh, what's notice? It's about being much more aware of your surroundings so so instead of walking down the street looking down and maybe staring at your phone as so many of us do these days and we're all guilty of that looking up you know noticing gosh never really noticed how quirky that window is in that building i walk past every single day it's noticing that bird that just bashed on your window you know it's it's being curious about the world is an amazingly good thing for your mind body spirit everything else just just you know often people talk about being mindful or being you know lots of kind of trendy words for these days but i think noticing is a good word just noticing the world around you yeah. is a really easy thing to do <laughs> we um we we when we go on holiday we love to go and look at new cities and and, and to wander around new places as i'm sure most people do and golden rule that i've, I've really got into my children is when you're in a city always look up um, yeah. because you don't tend to notice the tops of buildings and there's so many interesting things going on up above the eye line and my other top tip for traveling is get lost yes. like actually getting lost and not going where you're expecting to go looking at your app and all the rest of it just go wow look at this back street or look at this funny marker i just found etc so yeah i've got a great i've got a great tip there liz actually and i'm going to um credit a friend of mine adam owen marvelous man adam owen one of the nicest people in the world uh, and he has a the brown sign game so when he and his wife go out in the car um, and they go to a, a village or a town that they've never been to before, they have to follow the first brown sign that they see um, because that will, you know, the brown signs are the place of local interest. Yeah. You know? So really? they go to the first brown sign they see when they're driving along. Isn't that a great game? Brilliant. I can imagine journeys can get quite long in that family, but I really like the idea. Yeah. Um, okay. So so what about? Um, let's, let's move on to connect then. So, so um, you talked about community. We use five parts of well-being from the uh, Gallup book called Wellbeing. With community is one of those. So, I absolutely get that. But you also talked about social and relational. Again, one could easily think that this doesn't have much relationship to money. 
I mean, I think this one almost has the biggest relationship to money because actually how you spend your money does affect lots of different aspects of your relationships, both those close ties, friends and family ones, or your community. So, so how, you know, do you choose to spend your money on activities or stuff? One of the things we often do as a family is we don't give any presents necessarily. We give experiences. And often those experiences are shared experiences. Let's go to the theatre together. Let's, my children now have these, what they call sibs weekends, you know, siblings, and they don't give each other birthday presents. They all go from pay for, they haven't got loads of money, but they all go away for a weekend together and do some really fun stuff together as, as three siblings. Now, I think it's that, how do you choose to prioritise what you're spending your money on? And also back to the time thing, the, the final one of those five ways to wellbeing is, is giving. Now, giving you know, often traditionally we think of giving as giving a present or giving more stuff to people, but actually giving of your time, giving your attention, giving your thoughtfulness. So it might be a present, but actually how do you spend that extra bit of time really thinking about what would really, really touch somebody? It might not be expensive, but it would really touch them in their heart, etc. And giving is fantastically good for your well-being and it's a brilliant win-win because then you get when you give you're you're improving somebody else's well-being but you're also improving your well-being and that's where things like volunteering and community activities or collective coming together for you know street parties whatever it is is just an unbelievably good investment and there are quite a lot of activities that are either free or that you spend your money or your time which is an equivalent of money i always think on that hit lots of those boxes so how do you do things in ways that help you to connect at the same time that you're learning something and perhaps you're being active and you're able to notice while you're being active you know there are there are ways to just you know talk back to our reservoir to get an awful lot of stuff going into that reservoir through quite small choices in your life and i think what do these things come down to choices and money comes down to choices doesn't it if you've got some money then you have to make choices obviously the more money you have the more choices are available to you. But a lot of the things about well-being don't cost very much. They don't have to cost very much. So you can really get a lot of benefits without necessarily flashing an awful lot of cash. Absolutely brilliant. I'm going to do two things now as a result of this conversation. Number one, I'm going to find, think of a friend. I'm going to give them a contact. So I'm going to send them a text and just say, thinking of you. Because I remember... I texted my wife something and uh, I, oh, I saw something in a shop, thought she might like, and I texted her and she replied, oh, that's lovely. I, that really cheered me up because it means you're thinking of me. Exactly. I never thought of it that way, but that's just exactly what you little, little song. And that's one thing. I, and the second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go and t- take the happiness pulse and see how happy I am. <laughs> and the funny thing about it is that it just, that even the process of taking, asking, answering those questions for yourself, as well as getting the results back, but the, just the process reminds you what are the kind of things you kind of, oh, I'd forgotten that actually is pretty good for my well-being. I need to do a bit more of that. So it's, you know, in the same way that we do look after our health and we think about our own, you know, physical health, we don't very often take the time to go, actually, am I doing the things in my life day to day? And it's my job and I still don't always do it. You know, <laughs> you forget how you forget that you've got to think about really, really supporting that kind of drip feed of, of well-being on a day-to-day basis. So it's quite a good way. Taking your pulse is quite a good way on a personal level and obviously organizationally understanding the well-being of your teams your clients your etc is a fantastically important way to improve their well-being which in the long run will improve the well-being of the organization and the community they're in yeah and therefore make the world a happier place which at the end of the day is what we want isn't it liz thanks so much yeah this is absolutely brilliant really appreciate it no problem at all lovely to see you take care absolutely fascinating now chris i have to say 
I think you're a very good interviewer. You, you're always asked the right questions. I think you coax good stuff out of people. Sometimes you don't always get what you, you've put in back from your interviewee. Today, I think that was a classic example of two people working really, really well together. I was really taken with Liz. I just loved what she had to say. It chimes in absolutely, doesn't it, with a lot of the things that we've been talking about on the podcast over over the years, the whole notion of be, do and connect um, and how she relates that to money and how we can use money to help us inform the well-being decisions which we make. I really like the whole notion of drip, 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 drip in order to create a reservoir of love and not necessarily throwing everything at it at the same time. And the thing that I really took away from that, because again, it chimes in with something that's very much part of my philosophy on life, is to be more curious about the world uh, and that learning is important. And the more we put ourselves out to new ideas and new concepts, your 90-year-old friend learning to play the piano inspires me because I keep talking about it but haven't actually done anything about it. And so the more that we can open ourselves up to new ideas and finding out new things, the more we can increase our well-being. So, yeah, really interesting interview. Yeah. I, I What was quite pleasing to hear that interview was... The Centre for Thriving Paces, they steep themselves in, in academic research. And a lot of what she was saying is what we talked about in this podcast. So be rest assured that what we are discussing and the points that we're discussing is valid research that's out there. And it was just lovely to hear somebody with such a, such a, such a breadth of knowledge on the topic of well-being, you know, backing that up. So if you want to keep learning and be curious keep listening to this podcast it was it was nice validation I, for me actually I, I also love her turn of phrase i was just reflecting on my notes um and uh, they, you could make a great song out of what she said uh, you might call the song reservoir of well-being you've got great phrases like drips of joy chair boogie you know <laughs> there's a lyric in there somewhere i know there is <laughs> Write that song, Chris, I think, and then perform it with your band at the Institute of Wellbeing Conference. I think that's what you need to do. And actually, just to pick up something Tomo just said, I think, do you know what? It is validation of the work that we've been doing over the years on this podcast. It's a real validation of, of the book, the idea of the book that you had to write, Chris. And, and I think you were, you were surfing the crest of a very early wave when you came up with the idea for that book. I think other people were talking about well-being, but it was a fairly new thing. I think you've, you helped to crystallise it in that book. We've expanded on it. And it's really lovely to hear somebody like Liz, who really, really knows her stuff, as Tomo says, sort of validating and adding support to the work that we're already doing. And I hope that our listeners agree, our regular listeners to this podcast, that we've managed to do 80-odd of these now, and yet we're still finding new things, new instructions, new ways of looking at the world, and also, like today, a way of just validating and backing up what we've been banging on about for five or six years now. Yeah, and the Centre for Thriving Places are doing some wonderful things and doing wonderful things with governments as well. And I think they're really making difference so that we can start to look at the world and what actually what does success look like for a society is not just all about what our gdp looks like and i think they're doing some wonderful stuff so please go check them out um and especially that happiness index I, they're doing some really important work in just helping us be a happier society which can only be a good thing 
Brilliant. So lots of food for thought there. I hope you've enjoyed uh, today. I've really enjoyed it, uh, as I always do, actually, but some I just kind of enjoy a little bit more. And this has been really good. So great to chat with you guys as ever. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it. And I hope that you will join us the next time for another one of our financial well-being podcasts. If you want to be notified of upcoming podcasts, make sure you click the subscribe button. For more information on the topics discussed in today's podcast and to purchase a copy of the Financial Wellbeing book, please visit www.financialwell-being.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on financial well-being. You can send us an email at contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at FinWellBeing. Chris is Ovation Chris, and David is at Dave underscore Backwell. This has been an Ovation Finance production. Thanks for listening to the Financial Wellbeing Podcast. More interesting than you might think. <laughs>